Welcome to Pricing After Dark, the podcast in which an economist answers pricing questions from business owners, product managers, and freelancers just like you. Today's question is as follows. My company is planning to start using loss leaders. Unfortunately, none of my fellow coworkers has much experience with them. What type of product should we select? I'm usually hesitant to recommend the use of loss leaders because they're often perceived as an admission that you need to compete on price. Using them may serve to attract price-sensitive bottom feeders and repel buyers, existing and potential, who focus upon other criteria for their buying decisions. In addition, the use of loss leaders may train customers to buy from you only when you price your offerings at unsustainably low levels. That said, sometimes loss leaders can work unbelievably well. As you consider your strategy, you'll want to make sure that your loss leader strategy will 1. Increase the odds that customers will buy other products that do generate profit and 2. Minimize the odds that customers will buy only the loss leaders. Remember, there are many people who are unashamed to buy a loss leader and nothing else, myself included. Check out my blog to learn more about this. So what are the factors that make for good loss leaders? The proper design and effectiveness of a loss leader strategy is highly dependent upon your individual circumstances. Here are some rules of thumb that often apply. Do remember, however, that a strategy that results in substantial profits for one firm may result in incalculable losses for others. Products that consumers have a burning desire to acquire in the short term. There's a reason why few companies offer thumbtacks as loss leaders. Thumbtacks just don't address a burning need or generate a sufficiently high level of excitement to incentivize an immediate purchase. Remember, if a loss leader doesn't cause a potential buyer to take uncharacteristic action, it's not likely to lead to increased revenues. It's just likely to lead to unnecessary reductions in your own profit. Products that build addictive habits. If use of a given product is associated with a high likelihood of future purchases, it may make sense to do whatever one can to make that first sale. This is true for physically addictive products like tobacco, alcohol, and drugs, as well as for many non-addictive goods, medical checkups, online services, and video game content. Many vendors of said products will provide a small number of items at reduced cost for each buyer in order to induce a buying habit of the particular product or class of product from that particular vendor. Products that allow for upsells. Many items are particularly inexpensive in their most basic form, but rise significantly in cost when they are modified. For instance, restaurants often sell pizza for a relatively low price, only to charge quite a bit for toppings that were inexpensive for them to acquire. Many service firms provide low-cost initial consultations in order to increase the likelihood of selling follow-on services with hefty price tags. Products that are non-durable and non-transferable. Items such as dairy cream and dancing lessons cannot be stockpiled by consumers or resold on the secondary market. Vendors will find that hoarders and scalpers will often be ready to purchase lost leaders in bulk but make little in the way of additional purchases. Products that are strongly associated with a particular vendor. A loss leader in this category may result in brand loyalty or free advertising to other potential customers. For instance, the Hess toy truck served as a powerful tool for building brand awareness. Logoed shirts, class field trips, 
and keychains have the potential to serve similar functions. Even podcasts that offer excellent advice and demonstrate domain knowledge, like this one, can work quite well and scale very beautifully. Products with strong compliments. There are many products that are rarely purchased or used without an accompanying compliment. The classic example of this has long been the hot dog and the bun, though the increasing popularity of the Atkins and gluten-free movements are reducing the strength of that particular bond. Ideally, the complement will be difficult or costly for consumers to acquire from other sources. In the world of physical goods, this method is often known as the razor and blades method. Should the complement be high-touch in nature, such as a regular service contract, there may be opportunities for additional upsells as well. Products with recurring charges and high switching costs. If an offering has a recurring cost to consumers and a high degree of lock-in, then it will often make sense to offer a limited period of discounted or even free access before raising rates. This will attract customers who can't think long-term, such as those with poor cash flow, as well as those who don't think long-term, such as those who are unable to delay immediate gratification. And finally, products with prices that are well-known to buyers. Almost everyone knows the going rate for a handful of products like gasoline and milk. But few know the price of truffle oil and cast iron pans. As a result, discounts on the former will be far more likely to be recognized and acted upon by the average buyer. Of course, selecting the products to use as loss leaders is only half the battle. It's also important to ensure that they are used effectively. The following tips will help ensure that you don't lose your shirt in the process. You may want to think about creating forced bundles. Requiring the purchase of a high-priced item can eliminate any potential for loss. Cell phone companies routinely advertise heavily discounted phones that are only available with the purchase of outrageously overpriced service contracts. You can limit the availability of lost leaders to ideal customers. Access to lost leaders can be limited via loyalty programs, targeted direct mailings, or geographically limited offers. You can increase the difficulty for customers to acquire lost leaders. Just because a lost leader is being offered, there's no reason to make it easy to obtain by desiring customers. Restaurant owners who offer buffets often place the most expensive items toward the end of their tables. This ensures that customers' plates will have little remaining room to hold them. You can enforce quantity limitations. Many advertisements featuring low-priced products include fine print, stating that quantities are extremely limited. The products under such a scheme are often referred to as doorbusters. Rather than limiting the total number of items that may be sold to customers, some firms choose to restrict the number of items that any given customer is allowed to purchase. This approach may seem to be much more fair, but it may push some devious individuals to enlist the aid of straw purchasers. Remember that quantity limitations need not be explicit. Many buffets, for instance, use smaller serving platters, plates, and utensils to subconsciously reduce customers' desires for seconds, thirds, and, dare I say, fourths. And finally, you can offer financing. A discount advertised for an expensive item can be more than made up for through the addition of fees, surcharges, and interest charges for customers who cannot afford them with cash on hand. It should be noted that the financing offers need not affect a firm's cash flow as loans can be sold on the secondary market with relative ease. Using loss leaders is, in many ways, like playing with fire. 
you're awfully likely to get burned. Nevertheless, they can and do work wonders when used properly. Just make sure that you have a good reason for using loss leaders, you understand your risks, and you analyze your results on a recurring basis. Thanks for listening to Pricing After Dark. If you'd like to learn more about pricing, monetization, and how your business can improve its profits, head over to my website at taprun.com. You can subscribe to my free email course, read through my writings, and even contact me for a consult.